Welcome to Western New York Catholic Weekly, a production of the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. Stay tuned as Greg Prince brings the Catholic newsmakers to you. Wherever it's happening in the diocese, you'll hear about it on Western New York Catholic Weekly. Early in November, Buffalo lost one of its unsung heroes when Gary Tattoo passed away. Gary and his wife Linda founded Harvest House in South Buffalo in the early 90s. I had the pleasure to know Gary. He and Linda were guests several times on shows I produced. I finally had a chance to search the archives to find a couple of those interviews and pay tribute to someone who dedicated the last 20 or 25 years to making Buffalo an even better place. Today we'll go back to the beginning when I first met the tattoos in 1993 as they were just purchasing Harvest House. Next week, we'll hear from them a little later on in their journey. But for now, here's a much younger version of myself with Gary and Linda Tattoo. Maybe one of you would like to start off by telling uh, all of us what the concept of Harvest House is. Okay. The Harvest House was formed to open up a unique building in South Buffalo back to the community. It's a building that used to house many different programs. Uh, they had a gymnasium for basketball. They had teen centers. Um, they ran the, they had meeting rooms for the Girl Scouts. Uh, AA met there, Al-Anon, Narcotics Anonymous. All these different community programs met in that church, and then it got closed down. And we just saw the building. I'm a building contractor, and <laughs> the condition didn't scare me. I thought, let's get that thing reopened to the community. Okay. Uh why there in South Buffalo as opposed to some other location? That's where the building is. <laughs> we just happened to see the building in the mobile listing book, and uh, I was amazed that you could buy 22,000 square feet of space for about the same price that my house was worth for 2,200 square feet. So it was a building that was 10 times larger with so much more potential, and it just happened to be in South Buffalo. Maybe before we proceed any further, um, maybe you could each tell us a little bit uh, about yourselves and, and kind of your, your promptings for uh, getting into it. Linda, we haven't heard from you yet, so, uh, um, you know, uh, what were you doing before Harvest House and what are you doing now? Um, well, when I met Gary 10 years ago, he... Before we got married, he explained to me his views on uh, on life, religion, and one of the things I knew is that he wanted me home. He wanted me in the house to assist him in his contracting business. Uh, I previously had worked in Pittsburgh at a major city hospital in the computer department, and uh, so this was quite a change for me to be a, a stay-at-home uh, housewife. So I kind of became a professional volunteer. He didn't mind if I went out and worked for other people as long as I wasn't locked into a nine-to-five job and, and would be available uh, if we wanted to do something. So I've worked uh, in a volunteer status at the Erie County Home, Children's Hospital, the SPCA, um, Buffalo News Neediest Fund. I'm the chairperson for the Fresh Air Fund. Uh, we are in different ministries, Kairos, Curcio, and I'm even working a Koinonia weekend, which is the Protestant version of Curcio. That's coming up in October. And um, just there's just so many things out there to keep you busy. Um, 
like I said, I knew his views on life and religion. And over the years we've been married, I could see them, the need to do something for the, the people less fortunate and the community becoming stronger. And about a year ago, I said, within one year, we're going to be out of our house. I thought it would be to a smaller house, <laughs> a much less expensive house. Instead, we're in a bigger house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're involved in all that, and he didn't want you to be tied into a nine-to-five <laughs> job? <laughs> well, I had no time for a nine-to-five job. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> it definitely sounds that way. Um, uh, we've kind of heard uh, her side of things, Gary. Uh, what about yourself? Well, I'm a self-employed building contractor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work by myself. I don't have employees. I just enjoy going to work and doing the job and not having the hassles of running a company. Uh, we do both work together at the Erie County Home Infirmary Recreation Program. I'm a member of the Jolly Boys of Waynesville. Uh, we put on the Old Home Days Carnival each year and use the proceeds for youth activities. Uh, that's another nonprofit organization. And... Um, just all my life, I've tried to get involved in things to help other people. But when you look at how many hours you actually spend in a, in a week on doing these projects, it's not very many. Uh, you're always taking care of your own house, your own yard, and everything else. So uh, I just have been uncomfortable for many, many years about the, the lifestyle that most of us live, uh, particularly us. You know, we have most anything we need, we want or need, and yet uh, you go to Studio Arena or downtown some evening and you can't help but walking back to your car and seeing somebody sleeping on the sidewalk. And uh, I've never gone without. I've never gone without food or clothes or heat in the winter, and I just can't imagine how these people survive out there. Um, and I know it's not their choice. Uh, people say, well, you know, that, that's their lifestyle, but, but it isn't. I'm sure they want something better, and I just don't feel that we should have as much as we do and walk past these people and spend $30 on a theater ticket for a couple hours in the evening. Uh, and it may be something we didn't even enjoy when we get done, uh, but what $30 would do to that person on the street. So uh, I just finally came to the realization that I cannot own a house and two cars and keep up with the Joneses and everything else and still do what I feel we should be doing for other people. So I decided it's time to get rid of the house and put the money into something. And rather than just uh, give it to an organization and let it be done with, uh, it's not enough money to change the world. Not that we're going to do that, but uh, if we take the money out of our house and put it into this building, instead of living in a house that serves just two people, we're now living in a house that can serve hundreds and hundreds of people. Linda had mentioned uh, the various uh, ministries that uh, um, she and, and you are involved in. Um, before we get into talking about um, your kind of vision for Harvest House and uh, what you expect out of the facility, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your, share a little bit of your faith background um, and, and kind of what keeps you moving spiritually. Well, always been Catholic, grew up going to the Catholic school, being the altar boy, and, <laughs> and all those type things. And I think as most young kids at one time or another, I was going to be a priest. And, uh, but then I grew up and learned about girls and stuff. And decided that really wasn't for me. 
Um, and like I say, always, always being a Catholic and going to church on Sunday seemed to be the right thing to do. But as I grew older and older, I just realized that that really isn't enough. And I'm more or less going through the motions of what I was taught as a kid. It just, it seems that religion is more than going to church on Sunday for one hour. So I started thinking more and more of, of people and what I can do for them. And when this building came along, uh, I just thought there, I didn't know really what we're going to do with it. I just thought there has to be a tremendous use of reaching other people. We um, made a Curcio weekend. That was about almost three years ago. And the purpose, Curcio is a evangelization movement. And I came away from that weekend, again, just feeling a little bit closer to Christ, feeling that he was accepting me more for what I was. But I also was convinced at that point that he had something bigger planned for me. And uh, still didn't know what it was. And it was, oh, well, when we came across the, the building, uh, I was looking for an apartment building to buy. And that was going to be my retirement plan. And it just jumped out of me. No, no two ways about it. Uh, I said, you have to look at this thing. And yet I thought, well, it's just another one of my dreams. Uh, I'm not sure this is the question you asked or where I'm leading, but we went to the... Um, John Michael Talbert concert. He's a folk singer. Uh, and it ended up being more of a lecture than a concert. And his talk the whole evening was, uh, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And sell all you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. So we sat there all evening hearing this message, and I kept thinking of that church. And when we left the building, I said to Linda, I just have to drive by it. I know it's going to be a total wreck or in a neighborhood that we never consider trying to live in. Um, anyway, we, we drove by the building. And I looked at it at night anyway. It looked great. It was a large brick building. It didn't look in bad shape. But what really hit me that night was there was at least 20 or 25 kids sitting on the front steps. And the building was totally dark. And I knew from the real estate brochure that there was a gymnasium in the building. And I thought, why are these kids hanging around outside? Why aren't they in that building? Uh, Linda left before we had seen the building from the inside. She had gone on a Kairos weekend. And I couldn't wait until Monday, so I called up Saturday, my realtor, and said, I've got to see the building. <laughs> and off we went. And uh, I looked at it, and I just fell in love with it. Uh, I just knew the potential was there. And I knew I had the ability to transform it into a building for the neighborhood. Um, I didn't know where the money was coming from or where the time was coming from. But Linda came home and I said, we have to go see that building. It's uh, something that I really want to show you. So we looked at it and came out and she says, well, you sure have rose-colored glasses and you're crazy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> So but at that point, I just knew that God had something planned for me. And uh, we had a house that we were trying to sell. It was a building that we had bought, fixed up, and we were trying to sell it. And we're having problems selling. So the following <clears throat> Saturday, I just decided to have an open house. Uh, it wasn't in the papers. It was a Bills game on Sunday. So I thought, well, let's just try on Saturday. I put up the sign. I sat there for two hours, and not a soul came through. 
I said to God, you know, if you really want me to get involved with this church building, the absolute first thing I have to do is get rid of this house. <laughs> I don't know where we're going to get food money next week. Three minutes later, a fellow walked in from the west side, looked through the house, and said, I love it. I'll take it. And he wrote out a check. Wow. I said, okay, God, you've got our attention this time. I said, I will do everything possible to look into this building and see if it can really be done. But if I hit a brick wall, you've got to knock it down. And that's that's how it got started. And Linda took over the legwork from there. Uh, she started doing all the research. We talked to building inspectors. We talked to neighbors. We talked to the local priest. Uh, anybody we could talk to who would listen to us. And uh, we hit a lot of brick walls, but one by one they came tumbling down. And finally we started hitting some brick walls that we didn't think that we could get around. And a total stranger, uh, an executive from the gas company, when we were discussing what to do about the gas bill, said to us, you know, you can't work everything out in advance. Sometime you have to take a leap of faith. And that just hit me like a tongue of bricks that uh, here's a total stranger. You know, we say things like that to our friends and to our church groups. But uh, to have a total stranger who doesn't know me and I don't have him know him to come out and say, sometime you have to take a leap of faith. Uh, that, that was a wall that fell down on top of us. So Linda and I talked about it, and we decided, yeah, we don't have all the answers in place. We're just going to go for it. We'll give it a try. It, it sounds like you were taking that leap without even really thinking about it, maybe. Uh, we are speaking with Gary and Linda Tattoo this morning. Um, Linda, I want to ask you, um, uh, Gary's told us a little bit about uh, his strong faith and his, um, you know, his dream and, and kind of, what he came up with, but I can't imagine you not having um, as strong a faith or belief, if not stronger, to say, "Well, all right, let's let's go for it." You know, to to give up that uh, um, the security of you know living in uh, um, you know living in the suburbs and and having the house and you know uh, knowing at least uh, what your life's going to be like from day to day, week to week. Um, well, actually, that's not true. Um, I am a convert to Catholicism, uh, honestly, simply because I was trying to adopt a child, and we felt that we should both be the same religion if we were going to raise a child as Catholic. Um, so I don't have the deep roots, and I'll never know everything about the Catholic faith. I'm learning something every every day <laughs> about it. Join the club. <laughs> um, so my roots are really in, uh, as a Protestant all my life, confirmation, um, etc. The Curcio weekend did change my life and gave me more confidence to leave things up to God. Um, when Gary told me he wanted to buy the church, I knew he was serious. I knew this wasn't just... Oh, yeah, right, Gary. <laughs> you know, people think, well, you must have thought he was crazy. Well, no, actually, I thought he was serious. But we complement each other in the fact that I just didn't go dreaming along with him. I looked into the practical aspects of it. And while I wasn't certain I wanted to do it, the whole time I was doing the legwork and the research, I was praying. And as we all want God to write us a letter or write in big letters across the sky, yes, do it, go ahead, this is for you. 
Of course, that didn't come. And I asked my spiritual director, how will I know? And she says, you'll just feel a very peacefulness about your decision. And as I kept doing the legwork and getting involved and getting excited, I, I thought, I'm not scared anymore. I am at peace. It's time to go ahead. I'm sure God will provide. And uh, he's right. The first time he looked at the building and I looked at it with him, I thought, he he's looking at this through rose-colored glasses. The, the plaster's falling down. It's just in terrible shape inside. But the last time we went to look at it, I had the same rose-colored glasses on. So I knew that everything would work out. You mentioned uh, near the beginning of the program, Gary, um, about what what kinds of things that uh, the church was involved in before it closed down. Um, I imagine uh, your vision is to do some of those same things, but uh, maybe a more concrete detail. What are some of your plans for Harvest House? What are some of the things you see it encompassing? Who's going to be using your facility? Well, this is going to sound like a crazy answer. <laughs> At this point, we don't know. We have no plans. We have no programs. We have tons of ideas of what we'd like to see go on there. But it's just Linda and I, and the two of us don't have the time to do any of the programs. Uh, we're going to concentrate on remodeling the building, putting it in shape. And basically, we're, in effect, turning it over to the community. Uh, a neighbor came over and said he's in charge of the Girl Scouts, and they're looking for space. Is there any chance of using the building? And we said, great. You tell us what you need, and you've got it. Uh, we're basically opening it up to the community to put in whatever programs they feel are needed in the community, rather than us coming in and saying, this is what we're going to give you. We want... Uh, for the, uh, our, one of our great desires is to just get the gym open up to the kids again. Uh, a couple of fellows from down the street stopped in one day and said, what do we have to do to get that gym open so we can play basketball? I said, you just present a program to me. You come down and show me that you have supervision and that you can keep things under control and you can use it. So we'll, what we're looking for is a group of adults that want to play basketball one night <laughs> and they'll come back another night and they'll supervise the teenagers and maybe the teenagers will come back on Saturday afternoon and supervise younger children. Uh, it's whatever programs the community wants to put into it. The building used to house um, AA and Al-Anon and Narcotics Anonymous. They used to have the Girl Scouts there many years ago. Um, in fact, they even had bowling alleys there at one time. Wow. Uh, oh, let's see. What were some of the other activities? Oh, the soup kitchen used to be there, okay. uh, the South Buffalo community, community table. Uh, they fed 110 people a day in that building. Uh, they're only three-quarters of a mile away, so there's no sense in opening up another soup kitchen. We don't want to duplicate things or just split things. We want to uh, take care of a need that's not being met. Well, and that only makes sense. Uh, there's, we've already had lots of donations coming in of clothing, and uh, we're going to set up some type of a clothing space where everything is going to be cleaned and on hangers and <laughs> uh, size that so people can come in with a little dignity and pick out something that they need. Uh, we've, we're getting donations of things like car seats. and uh, there's, We are told that uh, there's 1,800 families in that particular zip code that are on some form of public assistance. And we all know that public assistance doesn't supply everything, and there's some people that fall through the 
to the cracks. So we're hoping that when somebody needs something that they can come to us and if we can't give it to them, we're, we'll at least have a directory of places that we can send them to or give them a little guidance and say, this is where you go for this. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, <clears throat> it sounds crazy to buy a building and not know exactly what you're going to do with it. <laughs> but uh, as Linda says, it's, it's our field of dreams. Build it and they will come. And uh, we're, we're totally convinced of that. There's people talking to us uh, almost every day now. We've had some prayer services in there. Uh, we had a beautiful peace mass the other night. Um, we are Catholic, and a lot of the people that we know through our different organizations are Catholic, so it leans in that direction. But in no way do we want to restrict the use of the building to Catholic or even any religion. Uh, we're looking for any type of a program that uh, will help people in need, uh, anything that will help the community, as well as anything that's spiritual. Uh, any, any religion is welcome to come in, and uh, as, long as, as long as whoever uses the building can show us that they have things under control. Uh, we are on Seneca Street, which is a commercial street, but we're also on a side street, and we don't want to cause any problems for any of the neighbors. We don't want people to come in to hang around the building and just make it a hangout. We want them to come to the building, do their program, and then go back home again. So we have, to, we have to be sure that we have the proper control, that it doesn't get out of hand. And that's why we felt it was imperative that we sell our house and move into the building and live there so we can actually control what goes on there on a daily basis and not just give a phone call at night with something that somebody thought happened. We're going to be there so we know what's going on and we can keep control. And uh, it, it just has to work. <laughs> Our guests this morning are uh, Gary and Linda Tattoo, and I, I live uh, fairly um, um, close to Seneca Street, uh, a little bit further up towards uh, um, West Seneca than where Harvest House is located. Um, but I spend a gr- good portion of uh, my week driving up and down Seneca Street to get from place to place, and I see some of the same things. The uh, um, you know just. Uh, kids hanging out that don't seem like they just have anywhere to go. And and I often wondered, well, why doesn't somebody do something to, you know, why doesn't somebody, you know, let them come in and play basketball or floor hockey or volleyball or whatever it might be. Um, It's certainly the case that not everyone would share your vision or um, my vision. Uh, And you've run into some, some difficulties in the neighborhood, I mean, and that's and that's no secret. I mean, people might have read about it in the in the Buffalo News. Um, would, would one of you care to comment on that a little bit? Well, I um, we have had some concern in the neighborhood, not knowing what's going in. Right. Uh, the problems with the the Mohawk Manor up on Main Street of uh, of a halfway house, uh, they can't get that going, and the rumors have started that we are going to open up a halfway house that we're going to be bringing in people and housing them and rehabilitating. Uh, again, we're not running programs, so we wouldn't be doing that anyway. It would have to be somebody in the neighborhood that wanted to. But we cannot do those types of things. Uh, we're, not, we're not zoned for a halfway house. And uh, it couldn't ever be done without the neighborhood's input. Uh, the building really isn't designed for it either. It's basically a church with a gymnasium underneath it. And then there's a series of classrooms that used to be used for Sunday school. So it doesn't adapt itself to housing anyway. Uh, 
But I think part of the problem was that uh, we, we put up a sign that said, coming this fall, uh, harvest house where the body and soul are nourished. Well, that was to pique people's interest. But it also got them wondering, is, what is Harvest House? What's going to go on there in our neighborhood? And consequently, everybody was nervous about what's happening there. So when we found out that these rumors were going around, of, uh, in fact, there was one rumor that we're going to open a bar and grill. <laughs> people are going to be nourished. <laughs> so uh, as soon as we heard that, we, we printed up 500 flyers and we distributed them to uh, the six streets in the immediate area and invited people over last Saturday for a an open house. And we tried to explain to them our uh, plans and basically said that what goes on in this building is up to you, uh, more so than us. And I think that took care of most of the problem. There's a couple people that are still very nervous about what's going on there. And uh, they feel that uh, once you get your foot in the door, I guess you can do more things. But all we really want to do is uh, see the programs that used to be there uh, or similar type things. Somebody called and said, is there a, pl- a room that we could have bridal showers or wedding showers? Because they can't afford to go to a restaurant and pay the yeah. 10 or $15 dollars for dinner. They just need a room where they can put 30 or 40 people and have a shower. I think the building's great for that. Uh, we have plenty of space for things like that. And we do have a kitchen so they can do some of their own cooking or whatever. So it's just making it open to the people. And I think once we get going <coughs> and they see that <coughs> we're not bussing people in, uh, they're a little bit concerned about homeless people coming and looking for a place to stay uh, because we have said we, we want to take care of the homeless. But our intentions there are more to try and give them something that they need. We have people that are giving us furniture and stuff. And if we find somebody that does is lucky enough to get an apartment, we can give them some furniture, uh, things along that line. If somebody comes at 11 o'clock at night and wants a place to sleep, uh, we've talked about this. What do you do on a cold winter night when this poor person's standing at the door? But nevertheless, I don't feel that we can bring them into our house. You know, we're living there and we have our own safety. And uh, if we're not around, the building is going to fold up. So we're just going to have to put them in the car and take them down to the city mission or wherever they go. But we're not going to just turn them away per se. Uh, but we're not. We're not into that. Uh, we're not going to bus in people for counseling and things along that line. Because, again, we live there. It can't go on in our house. And this is our home now. These are our neighbors who we have to live with. And we're not here to have a battle with neighbors. So whoever comes in has to present us with a program and assurances that they can control it. A little visit to the Radio Ministry Archives with Gary and Linda Tattoo from 1993 when they first began Harvest House. Gary passed away in early November, and even though it took a few weeks, I wanted to honor his memory with some terrific conversations we had. Next week, the time machine will take us to 2004 when Kevin Keenan and I talk to the tattoos about their next venture, the Harvest House Ministry Center. Join me then. The December issue of the Western New York Catholic is now available at your local parish. Daybreak TV Productions of the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo invites you to join them as they present Stories for Christmas, Sunday, December 17th at 1 p.m., and again Christmas night, December 25th at 11 p.m. on WKBW-TV Channel 7. Father Paul Sio will be joined by Bishop Richard Malone and others who make a difference in our community as they share their Stories for Christmas, Sunday, December 17th at 1 p.m., and again Christmas night, December 25th at 11 p.m. on WKBW-TV Channel 7. You've been listening to Western New York Catholic Weekly, 
produced by the Office of Communications for the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo with the help of the Catholic Communication Campaign and this radio station. If you have a comment about this week's program or need more information about anything you hear on Western New York Catholic Weekly, call us at 847-8744 or send us an email to radio at buffalodiocese.org. Our email address again is radio at buffalodiocese.org or call 847-8744. You can visit the Western New York Catholic and the Diocese of Buffalo online at buffalodiocese.org. And be sure to join Greg Prince again next week for Western New York Catholic Weekly.